I'm Vernon Kay and this is the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. This week on the podcast. And I remember it was week sad and I was like, oh, I'm going to miss you, bro. She was like, yeah, I'm going to miss you. I was like, oh, best of luck, best of luck. My phone started ringing and I was like, oh my God, it's Fergie. So that was our old forwards coach. He goes, what are you doing tomorrow, Pops? So I was like, nothing. He goes, Abba, do you want to come to the World Cup? And I was like, <gasps> and I was like, Marley, I'm coming. And we were dancing around the house like... As their Six Nations campaign intensifies, this week the Red Roses take centre stage. It's sort of your journey, you know, if if I didn't go through that sort of having to balance that and all these problems, would I be the same sort of rugby player and person I am today? Probably not, so mm. strong believer of everything happens for a reason and that's probably one of those. England hooker Jamie George also lays down his favourite tracks in the three-track challenge. You know, in rugby sometimes you have to sing at the front of the butt. I always sing Adele or someone like you. And that's... We're also joined by the main man, the gaffer, Eddie Jones, for a round of quick-fire questions. Who would play you in a movie? Uh, someone short, bald. Danny DeVito. <laughs> there you go. So without further ado, let's head to the England women's camp, where Paul Bunker is definitely the thorn between us and one particular Red Rose. And we are delighted to be joined by Poppy Cleal, everyone. Yeah, let's have a round of applause. Poppy Cleal, there we go. Uh, <laughs> they love you, Poppy. They can't get enough of you. Uh, Poppy, first of all, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Let's roll it back, way, way back. Give us an idea of what Poppy Cleal was like when she was tiny, maybe like two, three years old. Tell us about what was going on. Well, I've seen photos when I was a child, about three or four, and I look cute. So I think when I had a twin, it made us just look... You know, like everyone's like, oh, you, oh, look at them. Those two having so much fun in the back garden. Little did they know that we used to, when they weren't looking, hit each other. But no, <laughs> um, when I was a kid, I think I was just friendly, boisterous, um, wanted to join in in anything and everything. I liked Winnie the Pooh. I was obsessed with Winnie the Pooh. So I particularly was obsessed with Winnie the Pooh. My sister was obsessed with Action Men. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, we had an older brother we used to annoy all the time. And I think, you know, I was lucky that we had a big back garden and we were always in there any weather. Parents just used to kick us out in the garden and we would just be rolling around in mud um, and playing, playing with my sister. So I was lucky that obviously she's the same age as me and um, we used to have hours of fun in the garden. We always wearing the same clothes. I find that a little bit disconcerting when people are like, I've got twins, so they always wear the same. It's like, well, they're individual people. And they don't always have to wear the same clothes, do they? Or, or, or is there a rule? I mean, I don't know. No, we were dressing the same. Oh, yeah. My. I think at Christmas, sometimes we had the same like, outfit and pattern, but one was red and one was green. Wow. Yeah, Spice but it up. apart from that, same clothes. How do you feel about that, wearing the same clothes in every picture? I mean, I suppose it, maybe it's economics as well. It's cheaper to maybe buy a pair of clothes. I don't know. I'm not sure the thought behind it. I just think, you know, it's one of those things everyone did it. So if you had twins in the same outfit, but I didn't mind. Mm. I thought my sister looked cool and so did I. There we go. Yeah. Done, done. <laughs> uh, how close are you and Bryony? Do, do you speak every day? Are you messaging all day, every day? Yeah, we're really close. So we do message, but I think I message my whole family. So as a family, I think we're pretty close. We've got a family WhatsApp, you know, and we're continually in, in conversation. So I don't know. It's really hard to, people always go, oh, what's it like having a twin? But I don't know any different. Or mm. what's it like growing up with a twin? Well, like, I said, like I said, I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. How similar are you? I mean, clearly, visually, you're very, very close. But are there things that she does and you're just thinking Christ I'll do that as well like, are you that are you that it's so bizarre sometimes I like I call myself Bryony as well like what? it's really weird like in the, it's so bizarre or like I accidentally I'll say a story and then when when I'm actually thinking about it I'm like actually that wasn't me that was Bryony like wow. it's, it's so bizarre but we have the same like mannerisms and this we talk the same so if you're on the phone you won't know which one it is so if I'm for example ringing my parents my grandma I'm like it's Poppy okay just so that you know because yeah. we've had conversations where 20 minutes on the line she's like wait 
you're not it's Bryony and I'm like no Nan it's Poppy and when we're in situations we'll say the same things but that's come because you know the way we've grown up and the experiences you have like that's how the you culture get culture around yeah, you that's I how suppose. you get your yeah, sort yeah, of mannerisms yeah. mannerism, so rather than our sort of genetics but yeah we are if you were just speaking on the phone you wouldn't have a clue wow and and what were you like together at school we, I mean were you were you sort of academic were you into that did you want to learn and progress on sort of paper were you kind of more vocational hands-on no it wasn't arty it wasn't nothing to do with drama or anything like that it's always just sports 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 so we're in every hockey team basketball team tennis you know any any competitive sporting like tournament or game we were sort of playing or a part of it we were quite academic but nothing we were competitive against each other that's that's the thing so the only reason we became would have become academic or we were like oh right we're in first set because we wanted to beat the other what the other one so it's like oh well I got an A what did you get oh no I used to always come off second best all the time all the time so physically sort of growing up rugby wise well because you're very similar physique wise there's not lots and lots between you but was it were you kind of like physically trying to kind of when you're playing rugby together and opposing each other in particular was it a bit like trying to beat her on the outside score a try yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If it was in a yeah rugby like in a team, sort of the Reds v the Blues, sort of at training, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But actually, we'd kind of keep away from each other. And I think you always, when you were that young, you you wanted to be different. So everyone else would dress you in the same clothes, and everyone else would say, "Oh, they'd call you the Cleo twins or something." But you're like, "Hang on a minute, I want to be different here." So Brownie became a back, and I became a forward. So we actually, and also plus we wanted to both get the team from the same position, and obviously one of us wouldn't. So Brownie went to be a centre, and I went to be um, a second row when mm. obviously it was like five people in their scrums. So we tried to keep, keep pretty separate. So if we we're against each other, obviously I'd be doing forward things, and she'll be doing back things. So we were quite like, nice at that and sort of, I won't run at you if you don't run at me. Yeah. <laughs> so we had that. Oh, we tried to keep ourselves in one piece and keep away from each other, but we used to practice enough in the garden anyway. If it was a school report in front of us now and, and had Poppy Cleal aged 10 years old, what would be the headmaster's sort of kind of sign off at the end? What would he have said about you? Probably great when she applies herself, sort of can lack in concentration at times, but an all round asset to the to the classroom oh wow that's, that's really nice yeah i think would he really have said that or are you just kind of no, dreaming i think he would have said that he said right. uh, when she applies herself that's the you know that would have been the the negative bit you know yeah. he said she doesn't concentrate often and she can get sidetracked but when she does she's good person to have in the classroom wow i got a detention once my brother went through five years of school, no detention. My sister was going through, no detention. And my tutor was like, you got detention for doing this. I burst into tears and he was like, nah, forget it. Oh. <laughs> Emotional blackmailer. Yeah. I'll always work. Please, no. it's a family name. Yeah. Don't, don't let me down. Don't let me down. Um, tell us about your journey into rugby as well. And yes. a family that were into rugby. They were both, both my parents was 40. So my mum was a hockey and my dad was actually a football goalkeeper. And um, it was an after school club when I was six years old. My brother used to play it and... Um, me and my sister would just have to watch because my mum was like, right, I'm coming to pick you up once and it's either at three o'clock, so you'll come in, or at four o'clock. So, and Josh was like, no, I really want to join the rugby after school club. So mum was like, you two have to stay and watch. So we used to sit there and watch and the coaches looked at us once and said, you two don't want to join in, do you? And we were like, yeah, of course we do, of course we do. So obviously we got straight in there, got involved and my brother quit like two weeks later so he had to sit and watch us. <laughs> but that's how we started when we were six. Um, Does he take credit for your rugby career? Is it part of him now that when he sees you run out of Twickenham and you and your sister <laughs> the other day and just kind of like, well, you know, somebody is responsible for getting that career <laughs> up and running? Well, he constantly moans that we never mention him enough. He's like, why don't you mention me, like, at all? And a couple of times if we ever get his, his name in and they actually print it, we're like, look, there you are, see? Yeah. But um, 
he's always been there supporting us and stuff. So I'm sure he's, he's come across his, in his head a couple of times. Hang on a minute, I've started this. I should get <laughs> more of a mention. But, um, is, there, is there any inspirational figures like rugby-wise that you look back now to, to the level you're playing now that you just think it was a teacher at school? Maybe was it a coach at your club? Maybe with someone on the pathway you actually think that person there was really instrumental in, in you becoming Poppy Clear, the rugby player today? Yeah, there's so many, like, there's so many names and so many things that I could like, think of or people I could talk about. But we had a coach when I was younger, Simon Burgess. He's Phil Burgess's brother. So he used to coach us when we were under 18 in the talent development group, and he used to drive down to where I, I'm from, which is Older Holt, so it's kind of in between... Bournemouth and Salisbury sort of thing and it's in nowhere like there's nothing really around it or not much around it and no one really likes to come down there but um he used to come down to our local park and we used to do sort of like passing sessions with him and he used to give us an hour or two hours a week of his time to come wow. to come help us so probably him when I was sort of a younger version of myself like really should be pushing on and he was like you've got loads of potential here and I remember when we both got capped so obviously I got capped three years ago my sister only got capped recently he dropped us a little message as well wow so that was nice Hi, this is Elliot Daly, and you're listening to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. There's more from that chat coming very soon, but first let's hear what England hooker Jamie George had to say when I set him the three-track challenge. Jamie, we want three tracks from you that mean more than the other music that you listen to. Uh, Okay, so first one, rudimental. Basically, we saw them at Lollapalooza. Sari's team went on a little uh, trip to Lollapalooza in Chicago. It was one of the best days of my life, that. So uh, any song from Rudimental, Not Giving In or something like that. Is that where the Sari's dressed up in fancy dress? Yeah, yeah, we were in fancy dress. It was, uh, we were drawing a lot of attention to ourselves. Very what, good what time. What was the theme? So it was like pairs, whoever you were rooming with. So I was rooming with a guy, Alistair Hargreaves, South African guy, and we were in Baywatch outfits. Oh, very good. Tight red shorts. Yeah, mine didn't Anderson. fit, funnily enough. <laughs> So there you go. Right, track number two. Adele, Someone Like You. It's my song to sing. I sung it at a wedding this summer. Was it someone you knew or is that a part-time job that you've got? It's just a part-time job. The no, wedding, it's, it's someone singer. that I know. Like if I, if I have to, you know, in rugby sometimes you have to sing at the front of the bus. I'll sing Adele, Someone Like You. And that's... Someone Like You. Good tune, good tune. And finally... Dermot, anything from Dermot Kennedy. I don't know Dermot Kennedy. You mentioned him earlier on. Who's Dermot yeah. Kennedy? Dublin's answer to Ed Sheeran. Right. Look him up, mate. He's actually very, very good. I will do. I've yeah. only been, I only got into him recently, but... Uh, Has he been around a while? Not really, no. He's not been around too long, but he's getting quite big over in the States and stuff, and he's obviously big in Ireland, and I think he's very good. Nice. Very good. There you go. That was a three-track challenge with Jamie George. Go back and listen to our featured interview with Jamie earlier on in the season. If you want more, where that came from. You were at 26, uh, one of the more, dare I say, oh. I'm being rude, I've got to be careful what I say here, more <laughs> senior members, is that, can I say that? Yeah, experience. Experience, sorry. Experience. You're one of the more experienced members of the, of the squad, <laughs> uh, but clearly you were at a time when women's rugby wasn't professional, mm-hmm. so you had to combine career and rugby. Tell us kind of how that worked and, uh, and what you were doing. Yeah, so when I turned 18... I knew that I had to get to a premiership club. They always put quite a lot of emphasis on this to get, you know, experience in the highest level you can at that sort of age. So I moved to and went to uni in Bristol. Unfortunately, didn't come out of a degree because obviously I didn't apply myself. 
so I had to see if I can have a job and that's when Alex Osterbury from Sarries got in touch with me, went to London and that's when I picked up a few jobs like I was a travel money advisor. Oh. Yeah. How was that? How did that work out? Changing yeah. money like euros and dollars and was that good? I wasn't so great at it okay. but you know in the boxes in Asda and Sainsbury's? Okay. Oh one of that? In yeah there. you sit wow. in one of them so it sounds better than it actually was. I was a receptionist for a fancy dress company. Wow, it was a step up. From yeah. The How was that? Question-wise, what was going on at the time that was big? Just the masks. How was it? Yeah, nothing really insane, oh. but, you know, it depends what time of year it is, though, doesn't it? Mm. And then I just finally got a career in the prison service. So I was a prison officer for three years, and that's when it was harder to balance the rugby and your sort of career, because it is a career. It's not just a, a sort of Saturday job. It's not mm. just a job you know that fills in the time or a part-time job it was supposedly a career and I got like a promotion then and really and it was just so hard to from their point of view they're like why aren't you applying yourself 100% to this and then the rugby's like why are you missing training yeah. why aren't you applying yeah, 100% yeah, yeah. to this and you're constantly in that that struggle and that battle because deep down you know what I know what I 100% want to apply myself to and that's the rugby I love rugby like since I was six, I've not like Sundays was rugby days, you know. Now every day is a sort of rugby day. So I just want to be playing rugby, and other people don't. You just don't see your point of view or your opinion, and yeah. it's you kind of. Well, as you grow older, you realise that everyone's not going to have the same opinion. Everyone's not going to see things the same, and it's just how you kind of deal with that and juggle that. Was there part of maybe when you're working the prison service that maybe even drove your desire for rugby even more? Because you almost know. You know, as a youngster, I don't want this career. This is not yeah. where I want. You know, I'll do it, and I'm sure you would have committed yourself to it. But did that maybe in some ways that drove you towards following the rugby route? Yeah, definitely, because you know when those professional contracts, there was the rumor or, or people speaking about them, or that when they finally came out, I was like, right, I've got to get one of them. You know, I put quite a lot into those first when they first came out in January 2017. I was like, right, I've got to get one of these because I can't keep. 50-50 and everything I've got I want to put 100% into something and really you know put my head down so yeah when they first came out it definitely spurred me to work like, yeah like extra hard and how just we won't dwell on it too much but how hard was that at that time so you're knowing that I want to be a rugby player I want to play for England yeah so it, it was really really tricky but during it when you're in that you just get on with it don't you? you know how many hundreds of people so I'm Red Rose 208 there's 208 people before me who have had to do the exact same thing and they've had a full-time job and they've done it so you know you can't really moan about it you just got to get your head down mm. and do it because that's what sort of women in sport was perceived to have that's how you should do it sort of thing but now it's completely different and the people who are coming who are 12 and that sort of age can now aspire just to hang on a minute when they get asked at school what do you want to be when they're older they want professional sports person you know a professional athlete yeah. sort of thing so it's completely different but we've all gone through that and now it just is sort of your journey you know if if I didn't go through that sort of having to balance that and all these problems would I be the same sort of rugby player and person I am today probably not so mm. you know strong believer of everything happens for a reason and that's probably one of those hard work has prevailed as well it's fantastic I want to ask you about your senior England call up clearly you're on that sort of pathway I think for most players you know these days you sort of know where this is going and it's kind of leading to something can you remember where you were what you were doing who made the call because there's a moment when it's like Poppy we want you to come and play I don't remember so because I I think we got we would have got emails back then 2016 that's not that no so basically we've been training we're a training camp and I think it's in the training camp you know the team just you rather get a whatsapp of the team and then you know. Uh, how, would you, how would your parents, obviously they sound like the king sports when you've got your, your sister as well, your whole family, how would they have reacted when you went back to them and said, I've got the call up, I'm starting for England, do you remember? Yeah, they were, they were mental, but 
like for example my sister when she got kept she rang up my nan and she started crying on the phone and I was like that brings back all the memories when I did it because I'm pretty sure I rang her and she did the exact same thing (laughs) put yourself together nan but yeah they were obviously so proud and probably screaming down the phone when my sister got called into her first England camp she rang me and I was like you're right she's like I'm just packing I was like where are you going where are you off to she goes I'm coming to Doncaster, was in the Autumn International, so I'm coming to Doncaster. I was like, what, right now to watch? And she went, no, I've been called up to the camp. And then I started screaming, and everyone's like, what is going on? And I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. And what's that like? I mean, for all of us, dare I say, mere mortals, we're never going to represent our country. I mean, I've got used to it now. I'm 45, I'm, I'm close to death, I haven't got long left. But, you know, I, it's never going to happen for me. But to run out for England is one thing. To run out for England and look along the line or be shoulder to shoulder with your twin sister stood beside you. Yeah. Can you give us a sense of what that, that must be like? It's so hard to put into words. Like, we had the shirt presentation the day before, and that's when I had a little tear in my eye, and I was like, oh, my goodness, like, this is, ridi- like, ridiculous emotion. And then the next, the game day, um, I made sure I grabbed them. We were next to each other in the anthem, which is pretty cool. And then we to quickly take off anthem jackets, and she, I was like, Bryony, come here. And she was like, what? I was like, give me a hug then. Aww. We quickly had a little hug, because we hadn't actually, you know, sort of hugged before then. And then... I actually came off 10 minutes before she went on, so I was on the bench. And I was like, go on, Bryony. She was going down, and Annie, our team manager, actually said to her, Bryony, are you all right? You look like you're going to pass out. <laughs> she was like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. But yeah, it's an incredible emotion because you know how much it means to that person. You've seen all of them putting their hard work and dedication. You know, since I was a kid, there was a video that we'd recorded when we were seven at Ellen and Ringwood. And they were like, oh, so, you know, do you, you like playing rugby? And both me and my sister go, yeah, we're going to play for England when we're older. Oh, and it's brilliant. like, it's just to see that whole sort of journey. Bizarrely, almost like looking in a mirror a bit as well. Imagine for you as twins as well, because you've, you've been through that. You've seen yeah. it, you've had those emotions and almost like living it. It makes me laugh, because she, she goes through exactly the same emotions that I had. So then the game, she was like, oh, that's the fastest game of rugby I've ever played in. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> you literally know the exact same thing I said. Or she'll go, oh, this, oh, it's so hard, this is hard, this is easy, this is... And I'm like, oh, just... And I can't give her advice on sort of technical things or how she plays rugby because firstly she's a prop, yeah. <laughs> and secondly, you know that's for that's she's got to learn those things and do it. But I can give her advice on how it's going to feel and and how the emotions and to help her control her emotions and stuff because I've been through that. So it's just really cool to see it happening through her and also to see her make the same mistakes that I did. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking at it, yeah, I, I did that. I did that. Hi, I'm Tom Curry, and you're listening to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. England coach Eddie Jones is a man accustomed to pressure, but let's find out how he dealt with my quickfire questions. Eddie, what profession other than yours would you like to attempt? School teacher. Love, love teaching kids. Any particular subject? I'd love to be director of sport in the big public school. Wow. Uh, What's your favourite place on earth? Uh, Hawaii. Who would play you in a movie? Uh, someone short, bald. Danny DeVito. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, what advice would you give your 12-year-old self? Stick to what you believe. Very good. Tell us something about you we don't know. Bernie, where I was born, uh, very famous for paper mills. That's about it. Nice, I like that. <laughs> Is there anyone that makes you laugh in the England team? Uh, James Haskell, definitely. <laughs> No, but you can't say that. Uh, that makes me laugh. Just thinking about it. <laughs> Thank you, Eddie. Appreciate that. Pleasure. Eddie Jones, there, cool as you like. Now for the final part of this week's featured interview. 
tell us about, you know, if we were to pop round a Poppy Cleals on a Monday night, no rugby today, you're just chilling out here, what are you going to be doing, what are you going to be eating, what are you going to be listening to, what are you going to be watching out, oh who are you hanging goodness. with, all of it. I wanna, you I might as well just come round on Monday I'll, night. Well, I can do it, the invite's there, as long as the food's good, I'll be, I'll be there, Poppy, but um, what do you do to get away from it all? So I just love sport, so I'd probably be watching, you know, some match of the day highlights if I've missed it, because I'm playing rugby any sport that's happened like boxing or UFC I'll get up to date with that watch watch anything I can cooking I like cooking so I'll probably be cooking something from scratch actually I get them delivered so box fresh so it's well. cooked for you it's, no no it's so not, it comes it comes just all measured and fresh and then you cook it wow yeah so that's quite good nice so you know you're getting the right intake I suppose for you as an elite sports woman you're getting that's the exactly right exactly why I do it and, okay yeah, no, it's yeah. just because I can't be able to go to the shop and buy it <laughs> No, it comes all measured and it's really good and different like menu choices and stuff. Me and a few of the girls are on to PlayStation at the moment. Okay. So we might have a game at PlayStation. What are you playing? Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Really? What well, sort of kind of like running around and splatting people? Are you playing online? And you no, got we're not friends? online. We're never online. Okay. So we had a mini tournament the other day and since then it's just we've got very competitive, I think. So when I'm at home, I'm practicing. So when I come into camp, I can beat somebody. <laughs> <laughs> you've got your own controller and your own all that I can imagine you really go for it as well have you yeah, got your own con- no headset or anything like that yeah we were talking about we need a gaming chair next yeah because the speakers in it and all that yeah. as well yeah but at the moment it's just you know bog standard and then music and stuff like that what, what would you be into if you we came round and they were like right Poppy's going to put some beats on tonight she's in charge of the sound what are we going to get so I'm very fluid in my music choice so sometimes you might get country other time like gospel then you wow. got R&B kind of rap anything like that so it's really quite on my playlist it's completely different yeah so sometimes whatever mood i'm in i'm like skip skip oh there's the music i want what, so. what's big for you at the moment what sort of artists or what sort of music are you listen to we looked on your most played and stuff like that country yeah. really country's in no. it yeah what, why? why do you like country <laughs> well it's just twangy isn't it i mean it's kind of you know you're a 26 year old Woman, you know, elite sport. I thought you'd be into some sort of really crisp, progressive music, you know, some really hot stuff. But you're listening to what, like Dolly Parton talks, and no, like Kenny Rogers and stuff? There's a song and it talks about chicken fried on a Friday night with a cold beer and jeans that fit, fit just right. So it's like, when you're on camp, you're like, yeah, chicken fried. <laughs> chicken fried. <laughs> with a please, beer. Don't, please don't tell me you're wearing that in your headphones on the way to the game when everyone else is getting amped up and you're there listening to... I do like <laughs> soft, <laughs> I do like soft chilled music on the way to a game. Yeah. How do you use music? That's quite interesting because a lot of people would think that people have got Metallica on and some real hard dance, but yeah. most of the players speak to use it as actually a kind of meditative calm down. Can you talk us about how you use it? So I will listen to music on the way to the team run and on the way to on game day. Mm. So on the bus, as soon as I get on the bus, I plug my music in and it will be sort of calm, chilled, but not necessarily the sort of music you put into Spotify and you go chilled, just anything that you can either sing, like sing along to, but it's quite mellow. So like at the moment, like Rag and Bone Man. Okay, with yeah, that yeah. giant. Yeah. And then his song with Professor Green. Right. Photograph. Yeah. So the sort of that. Okay. And then the new Sam Smith one. It's not, not exactly low level, but it's kind of got an ambient sort of relaxed yeah. sort of sound. Are you still in with Marley Packer? No. Okay. Kick th- out. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people maybe don't know Marley Packer. I mean, how would you describe it? If there was, for example, I was trying to think of what sort of animal would you put a line Marley Packer to? In- <laughs> be There's careful. so many animals have just come to my head. Yeah, I've got to be careful because I still want her as my friend. I probably think a lion cub. Oh, that's nice. That's all yeah. right. That's quite kind, because actually. Because she's got, like, 
like strong-hearted, but she's still playful sort of vibe. But there is actually a little bit of a dangerous yeah. side. So you watch yourself because she could come and get you. Yeah. I mean, she told us a couple of stories. Just tell us what was that like when you've got two women in their sort of early to mid twenties, <laughs> both rugby nuts. You know, both playing a great level of rugby, both fun. What, tell us about what that must that must have been insane, wasn't it? Yeah, we were sort of in the same place in our like lives and our careers. And we just got on really well. And, you know, when it's so nice to get to live with someone who's your, your friend and you can you can just share experiences with. I think my favourite memory was, was well, she was packing to go to the World Cup and I wasn't going. And I remember it was really sad. And I was like, oh, I'm going to miss you, bro. She was like, yeah, I'm going to miss you. I was like, oh, best of luck, best of luck. My phone started ringing. And I was like, oh, my God, it's Fergie. So that was our old forwards coach. I was like, Fergie's ringing. Why, like, why is he ringing? And I was like, hey, Fergie, you all right? He goes, what are you doing tomorrow, Pops? So I was like, nothing. He goes, Abba, do you want to come to the World Cup? And I was like, <gasps> like this. So unfortunately, someone had picked up an injury and they had to call me in. So I remember coming off the phone and I was like, Marley, I'm coming. And we were dancing <laughs> around the house like <laughs> 10 minutes, just like screaming. I was like, Woo. <laughs> Fantastic, yeah. yeah, yeah. And what's the story about you and Stormzy? It's kind of got a word that you, you and Stormzy are pretty tight, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. He tweeted me once, so that, I think that's... Um, endorsement there yeah I think if he big was, fan big if I was to walk down the side, side of the road I'm sure he'd wave at me yeah I'm sure he would um, we met him well I met him personally once because everyone else was we're going through security at Heathrow and everyone else was more panicked about packing their bags and I just looked up and I was like oh my goodness it's Stormzy so I went like that super fan really embarrassing mode and my phone couldn't get my camera on my phone to work and I was like please can I have a photo and he was like yeah quick one but obviously I couldn't get my phone up and it was a little panic I managed to get a photo, and it's the most hideous photo. It's like here of me, and then Stormzy. <laughs> so I was like, oh my. So then, since then, I was like listening to his album all the time. So it's, obviously, it's really good. Um, and then they did a mastermind, like, sort of video, and I answered all my questions on him. And I won't be. Basically, I smashed it. Right, so, okay, yeah. Well, yeah. And he You're committed, Poppy. I mean, everyone, exactly. can do, whether it's right I did my whatever. research, yeah. and I applied myself 100% to that, that mastermind. and... He saw it and tweeted me, so since then... It's just kind of tight now. Just kind of, you, I wouldn't be surprised if you get mentioned on his new album and stuff. Or if, Would you and him collab? No, an acknowledgement. Would, an acknowledge, would uh, I collab? Mm. What could you bring to a collab, I suppose? Hannah Bottomman's quite a, a good performer. Okay. And she's my roommate, so when she's practising, I join in. Okay. So, for example, she, when she's rapping, I just repeat the last word of her sentence... Okay, so I I'm see. that person. Yeah, so if you it's kind of like a, like dropping a bit of echo or something like yeah. that. So it drops on the stage. You'd be like, yeah, you just. So if you were to say, I don't know, uh, beef sandwich, sandwich. That's great. Great. That could, <laughs> that could work. I mean, who needs storms? You and I could. Let's, let's see what's going on. Let's ring Sony. It's, uh, it's interesting. What a fantastic. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, last couple of questions. Very competitive. Uh, Pop, we can see that you're obviously you're massively committed to what you're doing as well. W- what parts of your game are you looking at at the moment and just thinking, this is where I want to be stronger? And mm-hmm. m- maybe less from what's been sent down from upstairs, from the, the manager, but f- maybe for you, you're looking at things, I wish I could do this, it would be fantastic if I could improve here. So we obviously have quite a lot of time to have like meetings with the coaches and discuss sort of what we're doing well or what we want to do better at. And I think at the beginning of the season, I really thought I want to be better in defence. I want to make those sort of... Courtney Laws, you know, those sort of contacts mm. and defensive efforts that can change a game or, you know, they knock it on and you get the ball back or can win your team the ball back and stuff like that. So I think I've been working hard on my defence and my tackling and getting my leg closer to them because people say I'm all like limbs and stuff. So mm. You're tall, mind, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. It's quite hard to tackle someone <laughs> when you're tall. You've got to get right down real low as well. And um, where are you on your scale if kind of, if zero was unhappy about how you're playing and 10 is you're playing the perfect game, where do you think you are on that sliding scale of poppy clearism? Ooh. 
okay probably a six okay yeah so i'm happy i'm happy but there's yeah there's more to come and i think i feel like i repeat myself sometimes when i say no one will ever play the perfect game of rugby Mm. that's obviously where everyone wants to get to but it just won't happen so it's about if you do make a mistake or when something bad does happen on a rugby pitch about you know turning that around and making it better or doing something that can help your team out 26 caps is that right now or is that 26 caps for you what's been your favorite moment there's a last question your favorite moment have to be the 2017 Grand Slam in so the last game in Ireland out in Donnybrook that was pretty insane because it was like St Patrick's Day they'd sold the stadium out we needed the win for the Grand Slam and it was so tight I think it was 5-0 at half time to us so I remember in that change room at half time I was my heart I was on the bench so my heart was like oh my goodness like I'm going to have to come on in a minute <laughs> and it's 5-0 but luckily you know we had a few tries Emily Scarrett scored one Amy Ken got an intercept and and scored so by the time I got on it was a little bit more secure and I didn't feel like I was about to, <laughs> to lose a nation their grand slam but no that was probably my favorite cap and a final final question for you the joy of playing rugby clearly you've moved on massively from those you know the twin sisters down at your rugby club running around and you know taking over from your brother is the joy of playing the game the enjoyment of playing the game is that still in your heart because you've got lots of other pressures now expectations on fitness technique yeah you know strategy yeah so much because that's what drives us. You know, we haven't been professional for long. When we were younger, we didn't go, right, we're going to be professional rugby players. What drove us was how much we loved it and how much, you know, it's helped me in my life. So the skills I've sort of learned, um, the memories I've created, you know, when I look back at my career, when I've won the premiership with Saris or, you know, I still hold that as nearly as high as when I won the Grand Slam of England. Or even when I won the, you know, National Cup at Eleanor Ringwood when I was like nine, you know, you hold all these memories as that same and all the friends you've made. So I've made friends when I was seven who I still talk to or I go back to Eleanor Ringwood and see. So... I just love rugby. And when I think when I retire, my mum says, you need a new career. And I was like, why? I was like, I'm just going to do rugby for the rest of my life. So it would just be something. I've just got to find someone to give me a job in rugby. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's really nice. Well done. Thank you very much. You. Cheers. Was that the best, yeah? Good. And that's it for this podcast, but there's plenty more exclusive chat with England Rugby's finest coming your way next week. Don't forget, you can get down to one of the Red Roses' home games and cheer them on by heading to englandrugby.com forward slash tickets. And throughout the Six Nations, you can watch all of England women's games live on Sky Sports. A big thank you to all our guests this week, and of course to you guys for lending us your ears for half an hour. But for now, from me and the team, it's goodbye. Right. And the radio. Oh, oh, oh. You're still recording? You are. <laughs> <laughs>